Hi everyone, I'm Adrienne Smith, and this is the Messy Progress Podcast. In this episode, I'm talking with Jane Chapman, the creator of The Communal Table in Santa Barbara, California. First, I want you to imagine this conversation happening over a delicious meal that someone else has prepared for you with love. That's what she's created. Jane is one of my dearest friends for a lot of reasons, and a big one is that she is a good cook. She always invites me over to her house when she's cooking food and she has extras. And more importantly than that is that we can talk for hours and I'm always left inspired, empowered, and reminded how capable I am. She has the gift, and I mean it is a gift, people, of creating space for others to share their whole hearts. My hope from this conversation with us is that you can feel that in our conversation and as a result, you feel brave to do that with more people in your life. Enjoy the show. So just like, I guess as an intro is, um, you know, we've known each other for a long time. You were at my wedding and I think that comes up a lot for me because we talk so much about how hard marriage is. And that, like anyone that says marriage isn't hard, you say something, you're like, they're either lying or... I don't remember. <laughs> I'm like, they're lying. It's, it is hard. It's work. It's work. And um, and I just think of like the, you know, like just to start with of acknowledging you and like, I, I, I don't even know why this like comes to mind, but it's any time that I've ever gone, had like a, some rock bottom moment in my marriage um, I'll, you're a person that I will call because I know that you're a stand for my marriage. And I think of sometimes we forget that when like we look at the pictures of who was at our wedding. And I've always believed that like every person that was at a wedding that's standing for the couple is like someone that we should be able to call and be like, I'm going through this hard time. And I, and you've always been like, I was at your wedding. I know what you stand for. Yeah. And, you know, transitioning to this, you've created a new business being like a stand for conversations. I want you to talk about that, like how it came to be, like what, like being a stand for conversations, for conscious conversations, which is like what this podcast is about, but also just like your business that you're creating. Okay. Yay. Yay. This, where do I even start? Because I feel like my life has made me for this moment. And the all the things happening in our world, it just came perfectly together where I just felt compelled that I had no other choice but to do this. Yeah. So, well maybe let me ask you a different question is like sure. we're in the middle of a pandemic mm-hmm. and you have this let's see let's say it was a year ago it was like in November where you're like I want to do something different but I don't know what it is. There's my life is going on this track. I'm working at my parents' restaurant, I've been doing this, they need me, my kids are in school, like all of our lives have been shifted and upside down 700 times in the last seven months. But you have this plan to create a, um, it's called the communal table, Santa Barbara. And the image that you had in your mind was like people sitting around a table, dipping carrots into homemade hummus together like leaning in having these like really powerful conversations and yet we're all supposed to be socially distancing so you did it anyway yeah and created this thing so 
the first question I have is, how did you just decide to do it anyway? Like what, there was all these reasons why you could have not done it, but you decided to, to take the step to do it anyway. So it, it really, when the, when the fire was put under me was when the protests all started. And I felt like the disparity with people's opinions and just conversations was, was so far, just the gap was so huge. And I really feel like a lot of the art of conversation has been lost and that it's ripping relationships apart, families apart, marriages, strangers, like it's just so polarized. And so I felt like, no, actually, this is a really hard time to do this. And I felt really conflicted about that too. But then I thought, no, this is the time. It has to be now. It's not gonna be perfect. Yeah, no one wants to start a business during the pandemic of eating together <laughs> when socially distanced, what a nightmare. But I just thought, you know, this is one more thing I just have to work around and figure out. It, to me, the cost of not doing it wasn't worth it. And the cost being the ripping, ripping apart of relationships. And... Yeah. I mean, I, my whole thought was, I want to make these bridges in our community. I want to get women together that wouldn't normally. And I think one of the tipping points for me is I kept here. We were doing that book club and um, about white supremacy. And I kept hearing women say, oh, well, Santa Barbara's a bubble. We live in a bubble. And I thought, you know, it's actually not. People are creating their own bubbles, mm -hmm. literally two in quarantine. And so all this stuff has come up and I thought this, we gotta stop. Yeah, and, and I love my bubble, like you're in my bubble. Yeah. And then I've like realized that there's people, like we were talking about this yesterday with your daughter. So your daughter is eight, right? Mm -hmm. And so one of the things that's even lost with like an eight year old is she's hanging out with her friends that she likes, parents that you like, and then there isn't those friends or people that are in a class that you kind of like cringe a little bit about because you actually can avoid them right now. Yeah, she's not getting that practice. And none of us are, really. Yeah. I mean, we go to the grocery store, we get tipped off at like, my husband told me something about someone like losing their mind at Handlebar because of a table. It's like, unless we put ourselves in those situations, we're actually not in situations where like disagreements happening, I feel like as much. And that's what I want. I want people to be comfortable being uncomfortable, having conversations that are maybe a little awkward for them, talking to someone who has a totally different point of view in all the ways, life experience that they don't even know about. So what's the one topic so far that you've um, had at your communal table? Or maybe just like walk through the structure of it. So it's like there's, there's food involved, there's conversation. Yeah. How do you pick the topic? Okay, so there's definitely food. I think that's one of our most basic human rituals that brings us together. It's also a little carrot, you know, so I am dangling it out there like you're going to pay for this ticket and you're going to get a beautiful meal, but we're all going to eat the same thing. And I just think like, like an onion as you eat together and break bread, just layers come apart and you get more to the heart of somebody. Like when you actually sit with somebody and eat together, magic happens mm -hmm. and talk and share like, it's, it really is magic to me. And so I, that is a really important part of it, is the eating. And then we have the discussion topic, which I've, at this point I've come up with because I think I want to talk about things that A, women want to talk about, and also things that I've you know, heard in my circles or in the news, things that I think are relevant and 
also just you know have a place where it's a real conversation that's guided on a specific topic mm-hmm. you know a lot of people I don't think right now have that some people have come to these events who have not left their home since February and so this is the first social thing they've done you know they're distance they're six feet away and it's outdoors I want to make sure everyone feels super safe but I've learned that people are just craving this actual connection in real real life and having these conversations that matter where they can share and be heard and then listen to someone who has a really unique perspective yeah and what is it that you do specifically to create the unique perspectives yeah um so right now people buy tickets to the event and because i'm starting out most people like somewhat know someone signed up for my next event that's a stranger so i'm thrilled no idea who this woman is Um, So that's exciting, but I am trying to reach out right now. I am subsidizing the events and so they're limited to about 10 to 12 people including myself and then I hold back about four tickets myself to then uh, invite special guests. And so the 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 making it unique or I don't know what word I use but like there's a specific person that you like it's women but then it's like you want different age ranges, yeah. experiences exactly. in life. So for example, I did one on face shaming and I purposely invited someone who is completely all natural. She does skincare, facials, and I know she's not about anything on any procedures. And then I also invited a friend of mine who works in a plastic surgeon's office. And I didn't, I told them, come as you are, you can say what you do or not. Like I'm not going to make someone call on someone and have them share their expert opinion i want them also to come to the table as a woman with their own experiences whatever that may be but i did know i did you know purposely put these people together that had very different views yeah and then well, it'd be different if you like had yeah i'll go keep going age yeah so i've noticed too the age is really important so women in their 20s and then women you know in their 60s and 70s mm-hmm. Because what I've heard is the women in, that are more mature in age, they forget and miss and crave those perspectives of someone in their 20s. And the women in their 20s are just loving all the life experience of these women that are older than them and have had more life. Yeah, and I mean, back to the bubble conversation. It's like mm-hmm. we put ourselves in the bubble of the people that, yeah, like we're most like. Exactly. And I forget sometimes even running a studio that, like, I'm 40. And I feel like I'm still 17, but I'm not. Mm-hmm. I have a mortgage and a kid and a business that seems partially open and like more responsibilities than I did when I was 17. And then a majority of the people who work with me or for the studio kind of come in in like their young 20s. And I forget, like I completely forget the perspective and where they're at because I can't even remember really like where I was at at that point in time. And I definitely, like just thinking about the topic of plastic surgery or um, like face shaming is like, I never even thought about it when I was 20 because I thought like, oh, I'm going to look young forever right? until you get that one first wrinkle. And then you're like, wait, is this, is this real? Well, it's just been so interesting too, because each, each one, I think I've done four now, there's just a different, there's some similar threads that go through. Like one thing that always comes up is that our words really matter. That, that certain things people just carry forever. Mm-hmm. Um, the last one I did was on imposter syndrome, and that one was in, incredible. 
just hearing every woman's perspective on it and experience. And one woman shared it had been her, her the greatest secret of her life. And she shared that out, you know, with this group. And it was really incredible. And these are like, well, I mean, they're... She's at the top of her field. She's incredible. Yeah. I mean, I know who she is. And I would have never thought that. I mean, outwardly, she kicks ass and takes numbers all day long. You know? And she deals with imposter syndrome. She deals with it. Yeah. What's your, like, just so for anyone that's listening, is like, what is, like, your, how do you define it, imposter syndrome? So imposter syndrome is when you think you're a fraud or that you got somewhere there by accident or that you don't really deserve to be there. Do you suffer from that at all? Oh, yeah. All the time. My first time I had it was actually when I got into UCLA, and I thought it was a mistake. I thought the admissions made a mistake, and I somehow beat the odds, looked through the cracks, and I wasn't going to tell anybody. I went. But I really thought, oh, I didn't get in. But I had straight A's. Oh, it must have been a mistake. Yeah. And so that was my earliest time really think, looking back of, oh, that's when I first felt it. What have you, have you had any imposter syndrome lately? Yes. I had it when I started this business. I mean, one of, the, one of the things, too, that happens is you can think, oh, well, I don't have my master's in facilitating. I can't do this. I shouldn't do this. Who am I to facilitate these groups with women when I, I don't have my PhD in it? Yeah, that question is, like, rampant. It's like, who am I to do this? And right. I love, like, the authors or whoever. It's like, who am I not to? Exactly. And that's how I feel. And I think, too, when I created this business... The reason it's so I'm so passionate about it is I literally thought. I, at first, I thought about what is what are my gifting? What was I put on this earth to do? What is my purpose? And so this this business literally covers all of it. Mm-hmm. And so I'm I'm just thrilled when I do it, and also terrified. Like it's a whole learning curve, and I have no control over what anyone may say or do. Yeah, but, so you've had four events so mm-hmm. far, four topics. Yeah. And have you had any, just in the theme of messy progress, is what's been like a messy experience? Yeah. Um, at one of the first ones, two women were having a side conversation that was really disruptive that I kept having to reel back in. And that was interesting because you just don't know who's going to do that. Um so that, that was something I learned from. And like the first one you did, you did as like a test pilot. So it was like uh-huh. people you know. Yes. But you know them in a certain context. Right. But you don't know necessarily when they're in this situation, how's it going to go. And the personalities of how they interact with others and who's dominant, who then is quiet. So there's a lot to it. And um, just creating that space, I really look at it like my goal here is to make everyone else here have a wonderful experience leave feeling like this added value to their life that they were able to share that they were able to feel listened to and just create that space for them like it's not about me at all Mm -hmm. it's just creating this space for them and creating a space for them to have what you said like a a want to learn something to go Mm -hmm. home learn something talk about something that they wouldn't normally talk about maybe feel challenged i mean i love it's kind of um i've shared this with you but it's really a two-part thing so you go to the event and that's a unique event that will never happen again. These 10 women that are all, you know, came there from different places, times, ages, everything. We create this, we have this discussion right then and there, and then that's gone. It's like this special, uniquely curated moment. 
But then the second part of it is each person goes home. And one of the things I ask at every event is who are you gonna share this conversation with? So where are you gonna keep this conversation going? Just to keep like a ripple through our city of these, of these important conversations. Like imposter syndrome is really important. Mm-hmm. More than 70% of the population suffers from it. Well, and it's interesting because you're a graduate from UCLA and you had straight A's and didn't think that you belonged there. Like, it was a mistake. Yeah, I graduated with honors. You've been working in a restaurant for how long? Oh, since I was 15. And you started cooking when you were... Oh, my parents had me make dinner once a week when I was in third grade. So I was, and I was young for my grade, so I was seven. Okay. I mean, talk about messy. (laughs) Yeah. They ate all sorts of stuff. And though, like, you've been cooking that long, and there's still this, like, I shouldn't do this, I'm a fraud situation that can show up. I need this title at the end of my name. Yeah. So yeah, that shows up for me regularly. And what do you do? Like, what's the practice? Like, when that, when you get hit with that, you get hit with that, I shouldn't do this. How do you step in front of it so that you move forward anyway? I mean, that's where I think it comes to what's the cost of me not stepping forward? What's the cost? And the cost to me is that, is that guilt, like, and just keep keeping that tape in my mind of, oh, I didn't do that. I really wanted to do that and I didn't. Mm -hmm. To me, that cost is too high. And also that this thing I want to create isn't going to happen if I don't. Yeah. And so it's just a practice, but I keep telling myself, what's the cost? I'm not, it's not worth it to me. I'd rather show up. Have, have a miss, try again, be human. I mean, I think that's one of the reasons too, as a facilitator, like one of my gifts is I do make people feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. Like people tell me a lot of things because I'm into being messy. I don't like to look at perfect and I don't want to be perfect. I don't think that's any fun. And you have two children. Yeah. It's that, you know, I'm, you share with me regularly about that. And so just having two little people five and eight that are like you're trying to like navigate them through the world and it's you can't predict how they're going to show up no and so it's like you're I don't know it's like this idea like once you become a parent even like you have to throw out all the cares about like how you're going to show up you told me this story yesterday about um, going into the grocery store. Oh, yeah. Will you share that? Oh, yeah. So I was going to the grocery store, and I had these two masks, and they were kind of ridiculous, and so my kids didn't want to wear them. And my, my son barely wears underwear, so just putting a mask on him is a big deal. And I'm like, look, man, we got to do this. You're going to wear this mask. He thought people were going to think he looked like a girl because it was a pink fluorescent mask, and... My daughter didn't want to wear it either. It was just a whole thing. And, um, but they really were concerned with how the people in the store were going to perceive them. And so at, finally I got them out of the car and they kept talking about this. Just like, oh, but all those strangers in there, they're going to think I'm this, they're going to think I'm that. And so I just said, no, 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 family meeting right here, right now. You know, get your pinkies out. We're going to make a promise right here. And so all three of us, we just put our pinkies together. And I said, we don't care what other people think. I don't care about anybody in that store. They're strangers. I don't care. You don't care. It means nothing. So let's make this promise right here. Chapmans don't care what other people think. Let's do it. And they were all amped on it. We put our pinkies together and 
it was kind of like before a sports game when you all put your hands in and high five, you know? And then we, they, we walked in there and I could see they felt taller, they were proud. They walked in like, yeah, hell yeah, I don't care. I'm gonna wear this fluorescent pizza mask. And it could be like fluorescent pizza mask. Like I'm thinking just knowing your kids, especially your son is, like it could also go <laughs> completely sideways. It could oh, be like totally. taking like terrorizing and like everything's coming off the shelf. Like we don't care. And yet, like at that moment, the thing that you did was like, no, this is what's needed. Yeah. And like elevating your family. And like we, you know, we were talking last night about like the ripple effect of things that like our parents have told us or if you've heard once or you shared about it at the communal table, it's just like the power of our word. And then that word then is something that sticks with us for years and years and years and years and years. And so having these kind of weird, messy conversations and then also um, like putting ourselves out there, I the thought that just came to mind is, you know, you're home with your kids, homeschooling them as a, again, back to this, like graduate from UCLA, not in education. Right. And you've shared with me like many moments where you're just like, I, I'm, this is horrible. I'm like, yeah, I cry all the time. Yeah. I hate it. <laughs> and yet it's like, you're doing it and you're doing this business. Mm -hmm. You're doing the things that you love. Like you love your kids. You love your family. Back to like the conversation that we had yesterday about values and food and gathering and conversations and the legacy that you're going to leave is what would you say to the, I mean, woman, let's, let's be honest. Like I brought this up in like my last conversation, like the women right now that are staying home and working and homeschooling and not to say that none of the guys are doing that but like the guys get too much like props most of the time anyway um are like the heroes in this like just keeping it all together yeah and I guess the question I have is is like what would you say to the woman that is like considering like some idea some project and though they also have like their family that they're homeschooling, cooking for, sorting out, trying to get underwear on their kids. Yeah. Well, I would say a few things. Like the first, I think really is just to, if it lights you up to do it. If you feel stimulated in your mind and you feel called to do whatever this project is, just to try it, just to go for it. I mean, I put a limit on myself when I first started this project. I thought, you know, I'm going to commit to a full year of this. I'm going to do one event a month for a full year. I'm committed to that. I'm going to see how it goes. I mean, I hope it's longer, but I'm for sure committed 100%. Like, I, you have to give it your all. You have to try. So I would first say to try. If you have an idea, go for it. Also, make sure you're taking time for yourself. Yeah. You know, I think as a mom, when you're doing all those things, you know, you're not going to find inspiration if you're just run ragged. And then you're not going to have time to do this other project. And what do you do for yourself to take care of yourself? I do yoga. I do it almost every day. That's an hour I give myself. I'm really big on inputting for myself. If I'm going to be needed all these places, I need to I need to input for me first. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you so. described it before as like uploading. Like yeah. So I think I can be kind of. Um, I guess I'll, I like to see metaphors, and I think of myself like if I find myself wasting time on social media 
or watching a movie or doing some sort of screens. I don't like technology, so it's easy for me to calculate it that way. So if I'm gonna upload all those influences into my mind and into my body and spirit, then I need to then input the same amount for myself back in. Maybe that's an hour paddleboard, maybe it's a walk, maybe it's yoga. I mean, whatever it is for each person that really gives them that. If you, if you like to be with a friend, do that. Or if you want to, you need to be in your alone in your bathroom, then do that. Yeah, but figure out what that is. Figure out what it is mm-hmm. and, you know, take care of yourself. Yeah, and that's like one thing, like even the last conversation with Sonia about, it's like asking the question of like, what do I need? Yeah. I can think so many times about like how I've been judged as an athlete and have and I say like been judged as like someone's putting their stuff on me like you never rest you never sit you never stop moving and it's like well yeah I do you might not see that I might not post about it but I do take moments to pause and like when I go for a run I hardly ever listen to music it's the time where it's like it's quiet Mm -hmm. I might be moving but I'm outside I'm being most of the time without anyone and like as a as a mother like when having um when I first had Reese it was my my husband would be like why don't you take her for or like take her in the stroller I'm like absolutely not it's not a break for me and I'm like for you it's all all it is is about is like going out and getting a workout in and I'm like no I need to be not needed I don't want to give someone any Cheerios or gummy bears or anything I want to be completely free to just like even at the in the middle of like a run I've had moments where I'm just like I'm gonna jump in the ocean in all of my clothes and I can't do that if I have a child with me it's not really the most responsible thing and it also doesn't like free me up and I've noticed for myself that the more that I let myself like do the thing that's for me versus like what someone might impose on me of like no you need to do it this way is it it creates the space for like this podcast got birthed and um you need to have the quiet moments to think and i mean find your inspiration how wherever that is i mean yeah. i get a lot of ideas in the shower because i'm by myself i mean and i like being alone yeah so that's for me self-care is often just i'm gonna be alone yeah how many minutes do you would you say you get alone every day oh hardly any i mean i really i mean today i i did yoga in my living room for an hour but I mean, I was interrupted. My dog was there. My my husband was wearing was doing, you know, his work with a shirt on and boxers, on his work calls, walking by the screen. I mean, I'm sure that on Zoom they saw all sorts of stuff. My daughter's like jumping over my mat. So that yeah, that was my hour, but I wasn't alone. Yeah, it's probably I don't know 20 minutes, broken up. Okay. Yeah. And you're also like you look at it as. I'm going to do this anyway. Like I know that yoga is a thing that regardless of naked bodies flying across the living room or dogs or whatever it is, it's like, no, this is, I'm going to do the best that I can because I know that this thing lights me up. Yeah. And I, I, I need it. Yeah. I need it for my body too. I need, I like to move and I need it. Yeah. So I take it. It's not always exactly how I would want it. Yes. I would prefer to do that by myself, but it's not always what's available. And also I know that right now this is just the season it is. It's, and I can do it. Mm-hmm. Knowing this isn't forever. Yeah, and I think like what would, your, what would your suggestion be to, so anyone, it's like we're in, you started this 
food-related business of gathering people together. That's like the worst thing you could think of to do during this time. Yeah. Yeah. And like for some people, the worst thing ever is to do yoga at home and not have a place to go to. Right. Um, is, like you said, someone wants to start something. It's like, well, you got to try. You got to commit. Like you can't be half in and out. No. It's like what would be like one other thing? It's like just we're in, you said it a couple times. You're like this is where we are. We are here. Yeah. So like what would be the thing that you'd say to someone that like the, let's be honest. Like the number one thing that I hear all the time is like oh when things get back to normal. Yeah. Well, I think that you know there's gonna this is gonna be this moment in history of pre-COVID, post-COVID. Like that's just, at least in our lifetime, this is a huge event. And I mean, I've shared this with you too. Like there's going to be some people that just never even come back from this. They'll probably wear a mask the rest of their life. You know, so I think this is a mark in the sand of the, the old days. But it's a beautiful time to start over. And that a lot of that stuff that was happening, we don't want to bring into the new existence. I know I don't. I think it is a fresh opportunity to start over build in what I want. Everything's been taken. So I get to, with purpose, with intention, really thinking about it. I mean, I think right now we're really having to think about things in a different way. Whether you like it or not, suddenly you know who your 10 best people are, if you're going to be in a bubble with them or not. You know, so I think a lot of that stuff is coming to light. And it's a beautiful way to, to start over mm-hmm. and build things how you want, really with intention. That's yeah, like really that foundational. It's like mm-hmm. the line is drawn in the sand. We can't. We're not going back. And there's a Nor new foundation. Yeah. Yeah. Now, backtrack back to so you had said that you got that you wanted you got this started when like the protests happened and you noticed that like these conversations weren't happening. There was just like such polarity and yeah in conversations and and um had at at that moment in time and I'm like jumping ahead because I know so much about you is you probably wouldn't have done this business had COVID also not happened because why yeah totally so I this part is so funny to me because last November I was on that retreat with you and it was like a wake-up call huge wake-up call for me of like I was hearing things that my grandmother had told me as a child and it just was a wake-up call like I need to get back on track I need to get back to my vision here I've been lazy and I've been drifting and I haven't been focused this is the time I need to do this but I was scared I was really scared to even say it out loud to others what I wanted what I thought what that my dreams were so wild and crazy And then also the layer of complexity of working for my family's business with my name on the on the wall and having worked there day in day out for 12 years with this understanding that it was going to be mine and then kind of feeling like a spoiled brat just saying no thanks i mean some people there's reality tv shows about people getting this sort of a deal Mm -hmm. with a really supportive family and so I, you know, still it's hard, you know, there's guilt around it. Um, but it was interesting because this is something I wanted and COVID really was the kick in the butt that I had to do. 
And I find myself too kind of wavering sometimes because people, I still tell people regularly, Santa Barbara's small, I know thousands of people in this town. I grew up here, I have a, you know, two restaurants in this town, so it's a lot of people. And constantly people are, I'm telling them, oh yeah, I'm not working there anymore. And you know that question, like, how are you? What's going on? And I really do think, well, do you have the time? Do you want to know? Because the quick answer is, oh, I, COVID, I lost all my childcare. And now I'm doing this other project. But really, that's not the full story. This is something that I wanted to do and that has been put in motion for a while. Mm -hmm. But COVID was like, you know, really the impetus where I just, I didn't have a choice but not to. Yeah, it's like in go, going back, is like, what would it have costed you to not do it? I couldn't live with myself, honestly. I feel that strongly about it. I just wouldn't, I don't want to live in regret. Yeah. I don't, that's my worst nightmare. To wake up one day having spent a life that I did not want, doing a life I did not create, letting go of passions and ideas. I just don't want to. That cost is too severe. Yeah. Because the vision for you, you have is what? With the project? Well, just in general, like Jane 10 years from now. Like not what you're doing, I guess, but like, because it could look, it could change and shift, right? Like communal table could be, um, you know, it could be across the globe. Yeah, I mean, I want it to. I want it to be in every city. I want it to be also this area where young women are, are mentored and, and people are making connections and making friends I never would have thought. You know, ultimately that's the vision is I want people to realize we're more the same than we're different. Yeah. And just seeing, opening up our eyes to seeing the different people that are put in our lives. To have those conversations with people you wouldn't. You think you're in a bubble, but you're not. And it's like crazy is because like you're delivering it in this way. Yeah. It's this, women gather together. They break bread together. Mm-hmm. They're not touching anyone else's things. Let's just be clear on that. Yeah. But it's the gathering and the conversations and the people that would not have otherwise been together because they don't know that person that's sitting across from them in the grass. And yet they're talking about such like big topics. Really intimate sharing. I mean, it's kind of astounding. I mean, I, I haven't known what's... I never know what anyone's going to say or share. Mm-hmm. And every event, I'm just more blown away. Yeah just by what the level and then just the responses I get afterwards the cards people have sent me or emails or texts um, it's really really rewarding and that's like the vision the vision yeah. is like it's like the I, I'm like closing my eyes right now it's like the the feeling that you have that the other people have like the the way that the like looks are on on their faces like to from surprise to disgust to um, yeah, just like it's the it's a vision, and yeah. yet it's like it can be delivered in in a grand scheme of it in so many ways. Mm-hmm. Like, and someone could like if you're on if you're unwavering on this vision, then someone comes in and they say to you, Jane, would you like to cater my event? Da 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 da. da. Yeah, some people have asked that. Yeah, no, that's not what we're doing. Right, hire a caterer because that's not me. That's not me. I'm not a caterer. And it's like, what, like you're a stand for, I'm a stand for conversations. I'm a stand mm-hmm. for connecting women. I'm a stand. Who is this vehicle that gets us there? But really, mm-hmm. that's not what we're creating. It helps us get there. It helps us to break down some of the barriers and be human together. 
but really it's the conversation and then broader how that translates into someone's life like the conversation someone has with their mother they haven't spoken to in months because of something that was brought up yeah. or their their partner whatever whoever it is whoever that person is you know and then just keeping that keeping that going and then just then opening up like oh now you're going to have those kind of deep conversations with those people too so you practice it over here with these strangers mm-hmm. now now do it in your sphere like i i also believe to my core that the people are put in front of us on our plate for a special reason and so like you know you have a platform i have a platform everybody does no matter how big mm-hmm. we don't know where those seeds are going to go what's going to grow from them yeah i've always thought that with um even let's just say like uh barista at starbucks Mm -hmm. it's like that person can walk into work as though their job is the most important job of all the jobs on the planet or they could walk in and not think that they have a platform yeah of yeah being of service and like i i hear that and i see that in you so much of like being of service being in the service industry, serving all, like the, all of your, like you said, I've been put, like all of the things that I've done have gotten me to this point. Yeah, even I was reminded last night, you asked me a question, we were sharing that funny story, and it was about, we used to do family meal at the restaurant. That was something that I initiated at, at the restaurant, and I was looking back, think later last night I was thinking, I've been facilitating these small groups for over 12 years, two times a day, each shift. We would have a meal together. The staff would sit down. Before we opened, we would all have a meal and talk. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't, sometimes it was about, oh, this is going to happen today. This is, you know, it's Christmas Eve, whatever. But other, mostly it was like, actually, let's just get to know each other and let's, let's break it down. Let's be here now. Let's eat together mm-hmm. and commune together. Yeah. And so when you were creating this communal table, you used the word like my gifting my Mm -hmm. gifting is this is like would you say that that was the like the that's like the most important question to ask about like what it is that then you create next I think I started it the other way where I thought about what I wanted to create and then I thought about how could I do it where am I best suited for that Mm -hmm. and so then I then I went backwards and really really took the time to think about it and I prayed about it I meditated on it and I really asked myself... What? It wasn't like an overnight thing. No, no, no. I was like, what are my unique, you know, born-given gifts? Some, obviously, like, I'm just learning them and growing and maturing. But certain ones I think that I was born with. Mm-hmm. Or that my past experiences have brought me to this for this reason. And so so I it's really like the what that. you wanted to create. And then it's like, well, what are my gifts? Yeah, how am I going to do that? Because what I want to create, a, a lot of people want to create that. But how am I going to do it from Jane? Mm-hmm. What am I going to you know, bring to the table? Yeah, lately we've been talking about that book, Big Magic. Yeah. And it's like all Elizabeth Gilbert's book. And it's all over the book about how, like nothing that's happening, like this that you're doing, like someone else is doing it, but they're doing it their way. Mm-hmm. You know, I have one of many yoga studios in Santa Barbara. And every one could go anywhere to do yoga right now virtually 
free yoga, all the things. And I'm just like, but they're not doing it this way. Like they're not doing it the way that I can see and feel and create. And it's like creating for creating sake. Yeah. Like other than like, you know, you're doing this communal table because it's your gifting and you want to do it. And it's also to be of service and have these conversations. And would you say that ultimately it gives you a lot of joy? Oh, completely. I mean, at this point, my, you know, I'm covering my costs, but it's really like, I guess almost like a, a missions project at this point. Mm-hmm. I mean, but it, yeah, I get so much out of it. I think it's thrilling. I think the actual event is thrilling. I love thinking about it beforehand, problem solving. I, in a way, I kind of like that I have all these challenges. Like, okay, these are the, the confines I have to work on. How can I make this work? And then even on a food level, okay, we're going to be outside. has to be in a, in a public space. I'm not going to have access to a, kit, you know, a kitchen on the site, so the food has to be transported at safe temperatures. And you know, that also dictates the food aspect. So there's a lot of different parts, moving pieces. And then there's a wild card of the people that are showing up who I have no idea what that's going to be. I mean, I think it's exhilarating. Yeah, that's awesome. How, you know, it's funny because if you were to be doing this, like in your original vision in a way of Mm -hmm. being around a table, it's like that would bring its own challenges, of course, but it's like the number of challenges that you've had to sort out, it's probably astronomically greater than what would have been if you were just like, I'm just going to rent this seat at a table and, you know, or do it in even my own home exactly I mean there'd be other wild cards there of course like family and things Mm -hmm. like that to sort out but it's I think sometimes we we forget that like no we were put in this place this specific time on the planet 2020 yeah it's not now when it's not now when I mean I just kept saying that like this is when it is do you feel like that's something that you like is that something you've always had I mean, I've always done some crazy things. I had a breakup after college and moved to New York City alone. Sold my car, saved up, knew nobody. So I I think I do do stuff. Like, I like that. I like exploring. I like to have challenges. I like to overcome things. Mm -hmm. So I think that is part of my spirit. Like, I'm kind of rebellious. And that's okay. I like it. I'm kind of wild. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think that's always been part of part of me. Those of you that don't know Jane, she has this really sweet yellow fanny pack <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that she wears that says party. Yeah, I love it. parties. I love them. And then she also has these cards. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the cards. They're beautiful. They're biz- little column business cards. <laughs> And they say, you, I don't know where you bought them from, but they say something like... They say, stop talking. <laughs> and I keep them in my party fanny pack. <laughs> now, were your parents, like, did they have this kind of spirit? This, like, rebellious, funny... Yeah, so I think that this is deeply rooted in my family history and my genetics. I think I am just born with it because I have a huge family in town. There is a common thread here, vein, where we... We have this saying, one of my, um, my great uncles, he was so friendly and he would, he would always say, we called him Boompa, Boompa never met a stranger. I mean, he was inviting people over for dinner. He would meet off the street. I mean, there was no limits. My grandmother was the same way, she, who I'm named for. 
She lived all over the world. She put herself through college back in the day when women didn't even go to college. She, she grew up on a farm. She saw the train go by their property and she told herself, I know there's more than life than this. And so she went for it. And I think she lived her life that way. Growing up, she, we were really close. So she told me a lot of things and she herself, I mean, I think some of my training for this happened as a young girl. She constantly was having huge dinner parties at her house and she would purposely curate these parties and she was really politically active and she would purposely bring people together that could not have had the, mm. the most opposing point of view. There would be huge, like people would be slamming their wine down on the table, cussing at each other, like crazy, almost all brawling. And then they would give them a hug and a kiss and see you next week. And it was something that they did and I saw all the time. My own family was that way. My parents grew up, they, they still have totally different. One is a Republican, one is a Democrat. We had the two um, different political signs, opposing signs on our house growing up. Like they would, I think I've just always grown up with that of having these, like no conversation, no conversation was off limits yeah. ever. And we would go there and we would hash it out and talk and share and process it and then do life together. And it's interesting that, like, you've been witnessing facilitation for so long. Yeah. You facilitated people on staff in the restaurant, but then this was happening and you're witnessing, like, you're remembering it. Like, how old were you? Oh, four. Yeah. I mean, as long as I can remember the houses where I lived when this happened in town and my earliest memory is I was four at my grandmother's house on this huge table, which we have at the restaurant now still. Mm -hmm. like my grandmother's dining room table is in one of the restaurants. And that is the table where people were slamming their fists and having these conversations. So, and I love it. It's almost something like, you know, we could look back on our childhood and things that have happened, even in the very recent past, and, and look at something and be like, yeah, I don't want that. Mm-hmm. And yet there's something about that, you know, if I, it depends on how the delivery is like fist slamming and how it ended, but it always ended in a hug. It always ended in like, see you next week. Mm -hmm. And it, it's almost like making me think about like, well, if I was to go back to like when I was four and five and like the times where there was like joy and, um, I don't know, just like curiosity about something that was going on in my life that was kind of interesting, mm -hmm. like being interested in something, even that young, to then look at that for someone of like, what, what is it that you could be creating? And it doesn't, and I say this like, you know, what mothers, like what you could be creating as like a business. And I don't say that. I mean, it just being like, it could be something that like lit you up when you were young and you could be creating it in your home now. Absolutely. Like it doesn't have to be a business. It doesn't have to, but it's like even with the, with our partners and, but it's like, it's tapping the resource of like when we were young and like how it made us feel and like what environment we want to bring and, um, and just and like practicing it. Yeah. And then just like switching gears just made me think about, you know, an event that you have coming up is about intimacy during this time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What's your, what's your game plan with that? Okay. So I'm super excited about it because for one, I've just been hearing so many different points of view on this from my friends, like my friends in their twenties who 
met somebody on Bumble during this time. I mean, to me, that's a miracle. That's incredible. Like newly dating during COVID and all that that means. Like you're not even seeing your your partner in real life. Like socializing with their friends, their family. Like that's all gone. So to me, it's really fascinating that a. Mm -hmm. Then you have the people like us who've been married for a while, and you know the the problems that we had before now are just you know the fault lines were there. Now they're just magnified, mm -hmm. and so those things. I think we've all come to realize that, you know, the same stuff we were dealing with before, it's just under a microscope now. And so I think it's really fascinating. Just, I wanna hear how people are doing this. What does it look like? What's going on in their homes? And like in, in an elevated partners. way, cause like oh, there's, yeah. there's definitely conversations I'm sure that are happening and we've had them where mm -hmm. it's like below the line and it's, but it's like, no, 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 we don't wanna leave you here. No, 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 we wanna elevate, mm -hmm. empower and move forward. And so what I'm excited about with this event is I'm partnering with uh, Dr. Andrea Gurney. She is a professor in town. She has a private practice. She's an author. She has her PhD from Harvard. She's incredible. So AM Who super. probably also has imposter syndrome. I don't know. Has, <laughs> I'm sure at, mo at moment she probably has. I don't want to speak for her, but, but yeah, it affects all of us. Um, but I'm partnering with her. And one of the things about communal table that I'm experimenting with is I do really, I think one of the reasons the, the sharing can be so rich and vulnerable is every woman there is just coming from their own experience, their own history, their own point of view. There's no right or wrong answer here. We're just discussing, facilitating this conversation, and you can just bring with you what you want. But that being said, there has been some areas where it would be nice to have an expert there. And so for this one, I asked her, I've been wanting to talk about this, and I'm terrified to talk about it also, for the record, um, intimacy and love in COVID <laughs> with strangers, yikes. <laughs> so I asked her if she would collaborate with me. And so the way it's gonna go, it's gonna be a two-part event, two mornings, almost like a little mini retreat in a sense in town she's going to speak on the topic she's going to bring some of her expertise on it then we're going to break up into small group we're going to discuss our questions around the topic as we always do there's kind of always a formula i do for these events and then there's going to be some homework that dr gurney is going to she is going to create i am not the expert in marriage <laughs> love and intimacy I only know my perspective so she is going to do it but she's expert then we're gonna meet back a week later and then we're gonna discuss more questions and see how that week went so my hope is that she's gonna give us some really practical tools that will elevate our you know sense of love and intimacy right now because I think as always like as humans that's what we're created for mm -hmm. so I want to yeah I want to up level <laughs> And I want to hear from her, an expert, with a thriving uh, practice. I asked her, I said, well, let's cross-promote. She said, I can't. I, my, I am so full. I'm so mm -hmm. booked. You know, so. Which is very telling of, like, Which is very we telling. We need it. We do need it. Yeah. And, and know, let's not do it alone. Right. Because, I mean, it's, it's, we can only go so far by ourselves. Yeah. We could do, like, even just, you know, my world of having a studio teaching yoga it's like I can practice yoga by myself 
and I'll feel better than I did if I didn't do it. Mm-hmm. But even just lately of getting back together with people around us, like doing yoga outside, indoors, wherever you know, people feel comfortable. It's like there's something that happens when you were brought together as a group. Absolutely. Like the art of gathering. Yes. Which you, like to me, it's like you're masterful at it. It's like you're not an expert at gathering people, but it's like all of the things that you've done over the course of your lifetime. It's like you've seen it and witnessed it and were curious about it since you were super little. Yeah, I think it's been, I've been prepared forever for this. Yeah. All the experience I've had just everywhere I've worked, the family that I was grown into. I think too, there's something you would ask just about if I, you know, where this came from, but I think too, having parents who are entrepreneurs and having that spirit in me, I've always thought of that just for my whole life, thought of ideas and, and having a hard time, honestly, working for somebody else. Mm -hmm. Especially when it was your parents. Oh yeah. I mean, that was really challenging, but, um, they did give me a lot of freedom in it, but ultimately, yeah, I I like to be in charge. No filter speed round, we'll call it that. Um, best advice, speaking of, best advice you ever got from your mom? Or just some advice you got from your mom? Hmm. So my mom has a lot of one-liners, but one that I love that she always said was, honesty is the best policy. Who's your current hero? I mean, I would probably say right now my daughter. She comes to my mind. Yeah. You have 30 minutes free, all of a sudden, just like pops in your life. What do you do with it? I'd be alone. Current one word motto? Probably try. One thing you would tell the younger version of yourself? I think it would go back to that promise I made with my kids. Just don't don't worry what anybody else thinks. I'm really excited that you're listening to the show and that you've listened to this show. I want to make sure that you get to the right places to find the people on this podcast. So to reach Jane and to see what she's up to, sign up for one of her events, go to communaltablesb.com. You'll see the link to her website in the notes for this episode in the details section. You can find me on Instagram, Smith underscore yoga and also my studio power of your own in Santa Barbara California if you'd like to take classes with me and with my team and also I'm working on a website to add more to the messy progress offerings I'll update you as that gets created in the meantime thanks for listening see you next week